Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a hotel manager who's trying to protect his friend and his daughter from the leaders of the criminal underworld. Here to help me defend my hotel against the invading forces of the high table is my good friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics. He's the John Wick to my Shimazu, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? Dave, I'm actually going to see John Wick tonight. Oh yeah, the new one? The number four. I'm going to see it. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, they, I saw it I saw it last weekend. It is awesome. He's a man after my own heart, pure will and focus. Yes. That that is yeah. actually I would actually say that's a fair comparison. Mm. So, though I don't yeah. know if you can uh, if you can handle a pistol the way he does, but no, but I can certainly handle a pencil. <sighs> yep, yep, and a pencil. Yes, with a pencil, with a pencil. So, yeah, can't wait. All right, so let's like, uh, first and foremost, let's acknowledge our sponsors, Siege Studios. Yeah, massive thank you to Siege. Obviously, as always, continuing our support of the show but unfortunately there is no battle ready segment today and we do need to catch up with James once more to go over uh, some more of your questions so if you do have a question uh, please let us know in the Facebook group uh, the competitive 40k podcast group uh, let us know your questions for James and then we can get that b- battle ready segment uh, for James uh, but yeah continuing on we're currently looking at the next army that we're going to look at to get commissioned by siege and I'm thinking Sisters of Battle, because I saw them do like a beautiful orange and purple scheme, and I was thinking, yeah, I could definitely do with a new Sisters Army after I gave it to Jake, and Jake has destroyed it. So, um, yeah, that lesson learned, <laughs> Stephen. Never let an army uh, be loaned to Jake. Yeah, yeah, sad day. Speaking of Jake, actually, before we move on, did you see the uh, the post up out yesterday on Instagram? I did. I did. I thought it was hilarious. I actually commented, you know. Uh, I put a rip in the chat for for Jake, you know. So poor, poor Jake. today's the Moving second. Moving on to Team Handsome. Today is the second of April. So yesterday was the first of April, and I made a post on Instagram saying how um, Jake was leaving Vanguard Tactics, um, and obviously setting up his own team called Team Handsome. Um, he then made a post as well, which was also quite funny. Um, yeah. So definitely, if you haven't read those posts yet, go and read them on mine uh, at V Vanguard Tactics, and then also at VT Jake or underscore Jake, whatever it is. Uh, you'll find him. Uh, read those posts; they are funny. But there were a few people that didn't know it was an April Fool's. Yeah, those were. Um, I read yours. And I'm like, okay, that's April Fool's. All right, got it. I don't like. I saw a few online yesterday that it wasn't any that got me, um, except for I saw one for Gary Con because I just went there with um, Becca, my oldest daughter, uh, last two weekends ago, and we went to Gary Con up in Wisconsin. It's a role playing convention, uh, RPGs, and. Uh, they said, well, we're going to do another after the complaints of all the snow in Wisconsin. We're going to do another one immediately again. We're setting it for August in Florida. And I went, wow, that's really soon. I wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. It's the first. Wait a second. Don't believe anything. This is yeah. the first. I have already I already saw, saw Steve's post. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was hilarious. The 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 humor that you wrote it out with. At first, it was like I started reading and I was like, I think it was about, about like the first paragraph in. I was like. This doesn't sound right. Jake wouldn't. Wait a second. It's the first. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yep. People so. actually messaged him, like, in all seriousness, like, can I join your team? Like, oh, like, oh, really, really glad to hear you're leaving Vanguard Tactics. They're terrible people. Uh, yeah. God, it's really good to see you branching out on your own. Yeah. 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 Cool. Can I join? Is there anything I can do? Jake was like, it's a joke. 
They're like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. You know, Vanguard Tactics are great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, they're chill. They're cool guys. Yeah, cool guys. Good team, good team. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, massive thank you to also the Outpost. So if you want to get your miniatures from the UK, uh, they, do check out the Outpost, uh, the hyphen outpost.co.uk. And um, honestly, after being to their store, you know, meeting their staff and everything, that is a great place to be. And their gaming club is fantastic. So if you're in the local area to the Outpost up in, Sheffield, then do check it out. Uh, it's a fantastic place to uh, game and also get your miniatures from. But the, yeah, the staff are very helpful and they've got a really good like live uh, like stockist list, so that's great too. But um, and also the Color Forge, um, we're currently painting up, and the reason why this is relevant is because Color Forge sell the most incredible sprays. And at the moment, I'm literally painting in the studio right now. Uh, we've got Seb here, we've got Jordan, Kobe, and all four of us are painting up an entire Ossiark Bone Reapers army with literally just spray cans, contrast, and uh, yeah, the Colour Forge sprays have been awesome for getting the work done. So yeah, massive thank you to all of our sponsors. Very cool. All right, uh, VT announcements. The competitive 40K podcast community Facebook page. The password for this month is Lion. I have already let in uh, something like two dozen people, and it's, uh, uh, you know, that was just last week. So um it, it it's incredible how many people are, are jumping into the conversation over there. So uh, if you have uh, any interest in joining the conversation, please do so. Uh, don't forget to answer all four of the questions, including the password when you ask, ask to be joined uh, in. And uh, that's also where you can go to leave your rules lawyer questions and your hobby segments, comments. Yeah. And your questions for, um, for battle ready. So anyway, uh, that is it for those announcements. We do have a review today. You want to read that one? Yeah, I'll go for it. Um, okay, so the review today is so much yes, five stars. It says, in all seriousness, I am not a podcast listener type, but there are only two podcasts I'm excited about listening to when a new episode is out. Sister Act 40K, uh, by the way, great podcast, been on that myself, so thank you very much. Uh, and you amazing VT people. I'm a newbie in the 40K tabletop game with roughly 30 games under my belt and played my first tournament lately. Your sportsmanship perspectives really inspired me. Although I lost all my matches, I managed to be a tough opponent thanks to the information you provided. You made this tournament a better experience for me and I'm grateful for your effort and time you put into this. Keep it up. Kind regards from Germany. Thank you so much for that kind review. It really, really... It, honestly, we love reading them out. The good, the bad, the ugly the indifferent, whether they're slagging off Dave or me, it doesn't matter. So keep them coming in um, and to leave a review for us really helps us out as well. It helps us climb the rankings. Um, so, you know, do drop a five-star review um, and say something. doesn't matter what it is. Say something. It's great. So yeah, thank you so much for that kind review. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I consider it an honor that we're up in the uh, stratosphere up there with uh, Mitch Beard and, and uh, Sister Act 40K. I'm, that's the other one that I listen to. Um, yeah, big fan of Sister Act. I've actually been been texting with Mitch about um, we we were talking about doing a Sister Act uh, or Sisters of Battle episode on here, and then tenth dropped, and it was like, oh, we'll hold off. Let's let's hold off and maybe see about bringing Mitch in uh, to join us for for an episode after tenth dropped. So that'll be a later this year type of thing. Sounds good, yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to leave us a review, please do so. Um, on any um, uh, aggregator service that you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or uh, we're on Amazon now or Spotify, wherever you have it, it will get to us. Um, And don't, uh, like Steve said, please don't hesitate to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Uh, If you want to find us on social media, you can find Steven on Instagram at at the Vanguard Tactics. You can find Mike on there at at VT underscore Mike underscore. Uh, As Steve mentioned earlier, Jake is on there at at VT underscore Jake. One, 
I think. Uh, and then I'm on there, of course, at, at Infantry Lawyer 40K. Uh, don't forget, you can also go to www.vanguardtactics.com to get more information about the Academy. And don't forget to go to YouTube and check out all of the Vanguard Tactics stream games and other content there. That today, we're going to talk about lists. We're going to talk about list building, not any specific list, but we're going to talk about things you need to consider when you're building a list. And then we're going to maybe talk a little bit about that Warcom article from this last week um, about how it's going to be a little different intent. So, uh, but we wanted to talk about broad strokes, philosophies and ideas, things you should look at. What are your priorities when you sit down and make a new list? Where do you start? And obviously, the answer is always heavy support, right, Steve? Uh, of course, straight with a fast attack. Yeah, they go straight in the basket. Um, <laughs> or a few months ago, just take as many flamers as you possibly can. But um, no, in all seriousness, I thought, you know, when we were discussing about the direction of the podcast between now and 10th, obviously our goal is to keep you up to date with everything that uh, Games Workshop are announcing. Um, and more importantly, focusing on some of those elements of the game which aren't necessarily addition um, addition, specific. addition specific. Yeah. So some of these techniques and tools that will be in philosophies is a, probably a good one. 40k philosophies is probably a nice uh, umbrella to put these next few episodes under rather than like specifics, which of course may become out of date in the future. Who knows? But I think, yeah, this kind of philosophy aspect will be great because I think it will give a really good underpinning for knowledge uh, as we go into a new trend, uh, new edition. And ultimately, we want to help your transition between ninth and tenths as seamless as we possibly can. Speaking of which, we have got an incredible amount of courses lined up for 10th edition. So if you want to get on the waiting list for any of our VT brand new courses that are going to be 10th edition specific and uh, extremely relevant for those, then head over to www.vanguardtactics.com forward slash 10th and you can sign up on the waiting list there. The waiting list is already increasingly growing. But we have, uh, we're have we going to be doing three courses. We're going to be doing a learn to play, simple for, be for beginners. Um, so if you are completely new, great course to get started with. We're then going to have what we're going to call the accelerator program. And this is to accelerate you from ninth to 10th as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And then we're also going to obviously have that full academy experience to really dive deep into all of these different aspects of the game. So uh, if you want to jump on any of those courses whatsoever, you know, you want a bit of a refresher, you want to just you know, get efficient, then that accelerator program is going to be awesome for you. So get your name down on that waiting list because there will be the best offers on that waiting list. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my little thing about the plug uh, for us. Lists. Yes. Talk about it. Where, where should we start? So let's let's just kind of start from the top and we'll talk it through. And let's let's say that you uh, a new codex drops or you've decided you're going to switch faction to something you've never played before. Imagine you've never played Space Marines. Because I think that's the most, uh, I don't want to say generic, but that's the, the most commonly known faction in 40K. Yeah. So you, you buy the codex, you know, sit down, or you, you get the, the new downloads from, from 10th edition when they drop. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go. You go through all the 10th edition PDF downloads that they're going to have on, on Warcom, and you're going to go through and you're like, all right, I'm going to build the list. The first thing that you add, the first thing you know, that goes in the basket, as you like to say, where do you start? Is it, is, are you looking for a particular uh, unit? Are you starting at the top with your HQ and letting that set the theme for the rest of the list? What's the first consideration that you go to? Okay, so I suppose when I'm looking at a, um, a codex or let's keep it, you know, philosophy-based, a battle tome, as it's something that we've recently been getting into is Age of Sigmar, I typically, first of all, will take 
Now, assuming I've got a good understanding of the core rules of the game, I think that's really important that your understanding there is very important. And the reason why that's important, things like if you don't know the relevance of, for example, in let's keep it specific to ninth edition just real quickly. If you're unsure of how fight first, the fight phase, fights last works and the order in which combat is affected, when you're reading certain rules such as Howling Banshees that make units fight last on the charge and Yanari have make your army fight first, if you're unsure of the power of those you know, interactions, then I think the best thing to do is to go back to the core rules of the game and really get that kind of understanding of what those abilities and power will do for you. So that's really important to establish that core basics fundamentals first of whatever game system is that you're playing, um, similar to... Age of Sigma, for example, uh, you need to know how you know you're going to generate command points, and then also, for example, how you can use those command abilities. So the first thing, though, I think when it comes to list building, what you're going to want to do is have a, just a really good read through, just a very brief read through of the entire codex from you know starting with either particular, you know, depending on how your brain likes to work. So if you like really broad strokes, then start with the army rules. Okay, so start with what that's going to basically do for you, whether it's, um, you know, your um, your chapter, your legion, whatever the kind of sub-faction rules are, read through those. Okay, have a good grasp of, you know, what is it that this play style of army, and that should give you an indication of then the units and potentially the characters and everything else that you need to add into the army to support it. Okay, uh, so if it's if it's reading like it's a combat-based ability, then cool. We're going to look for units that are particularly strong in melee, okay? And then we're going to probably want to add in some supplementary units to have tools in our toolbox to deal with units that your combat units can't deal with. And then that's when we sort of start to go to that refinement. But similarly, you might look at it in a way of, hey, I want to create a really cool themed army. Um, there might be a particular unit that you want to look at. So I think it really depends on... You know, if we're just looking at it for the first time, we'll go into the specifics uh, later on in how to make a really cool themed list. But I think creating a themed list based on models you love and models you really want to use and play with probably come after having a good understanding of what that you know book has to offer, basically. Okay, so uh, yeah, first of all, let's start broad and let's look at basically what that army-wide ability is. Um, you know, if it's Blood Angels, for example, at the moment it's uh, you know what plus one charge plus one to wound if it's um you know beltan you get a minimum three on your um, battle focus and you get to re-roll a hit roll so whatever those types of abilities are start there okay so you start there you you like um i mean i did something similar when i mean because i've known you for a long time so i was trying to trying to channel you as much as possible when i switched over to votan i was like all right what do i want to go through when i when i got the votan codex what do I, what is my interest? What am I focused? And I said, I, all right, I want to do a melee focused army. So I found the melee focused sub faction and that was where I started. And I, I, I looked at their rules and I was like, all right, how can those rules, when I now want to start picking my units, how are those rules going to benefit or, or, or affect my decisions and picking my units? So, yeah. And also, yeah, go ahead. I was going to quickly jump in on that. Obviously the, the Votan one, um, is very good for, there is a very specific melee option, isn't there? It's like extra extra attacks and strength and AP and stuff. And you know, there's lots of really yeah. cool abilities depending on judgment tokens or whatever. But also you can build out a very good combat-based army 
um, to supplement. Let's say there wasn't hegemony in the Votan book, but let's say there was something that helped you move a little bit faster. So you could look at it as, hey, okay, maybe it doesn't increase my damage output in combat, but if it helps me get there, then I can still build around using the combat units, but by elevating their speed. So I think it's kind of looking at it of, hey, that seems like a cool rule that would pair really well with you know, either extra you know, durability, extra mobility. They're the other two sides of the spectrum that often rules can interact with isn't just their damage output, but obviously Votan have a very specific one that is like, this is awesome at combat. If you could write, I think, a combat-based army rules, they probably have some of the best in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, because before I even picked up the codex, I was like, all right, I've been playing Tau, and before that, I was very shooty Death Watch. I, I want to lean into combat. I want to do something very combat-oriented. I'm going through, and then I hit Hegemony, and I was like, oh, well, this is really combat-oriented. <laughs> this might be too far. but I actually used that that as I was so as I started building my list, it was all right, keeping in mind what Chronos Hegemony does, that allows me to maybe I don't have to pick as many of the berserkers. And I can look at all right, how is this gonna affect the regular warriors? How is this gonna affect the characters, uh, the terminators? Yeah, how's this gonna affect the bikes? How you know my characters? So being able to have that because it's so damage oriented, I was able to look at other things when I was picking my units because I already knew, all right, I'm already leaning into combat very heavily. Yeah. I want to come back to this as well, because I think there are ways and potential means to pick a faction ability um, if it's to support a weakness in the army, but you, you only find that weakness out by, you know, playing and getting some reps in. So I often think there's kind of maybe, um, you know, two focuses in, in on the Academy, we talk about the uh, we have like a an analogy called um, armed. Okay, first of all, you need to know you know the army. You need to get, you need to know the army rules. Okay, then you actually need to know kind of obviously the rules of the game. You need to know the missions. You need to then start to basically evaluate your performance. Okay, and then you're back to decision making, which is like that kind of circle of now we're back to the beginning again. We're now looking at the army. So. I think once you've done a couple of those cycles, you're going to really get to grips with what the army's going to function and feel like. So after using Votan myself, I really felt like the characters were lackluster and I felt that you don't get many units in a Votan army. You know, maybe it's, mm -mm. it's literally a handful of units versus other armies, which means you've got these characters that are sat being force multipliers, but there's no duality with them. So I actually think with hegemony, is actually the best way to run Votan personally, because I feel like for me, it allows me to take two characters that not only are force multipliers, but now can hit really hard and they can trade. And what we mean by trade is that they can go into another unit and literally pick it up. So now these units that are very expensive as a force multiplier can also have this duality of also just being able to pick up other units themselves. So because of their relics, wall or traits and um, those extra attacks that they get, it's really, really strong in that respect. Yeah, I actually struggled with trying to figure out what my call was going to do because his he was at first they kitted him out to be like super combaty, and then that that was just he was just overkilling things or he wasn't killing anything at all because people were staying away from him. And then I switched over to all right now he just stands back and gives out judgment tokens. Well, that's kind of a waste of a lot of points. So trying to find that that middle balance has been a struggle, but it's it's definitely something where, yeah, you have to... He's already good because he's Cronus Gemini. He's already good in combat, so I don't need to give him 
say a super I don't have to give him a relic weapon. He's just give him the axe or the fist and have him just get in there and I don't know. I, I disagree. I think him with that um what I love about him is that he's got these the combo that I like is again, we're kind of in the refinement of list decisions here. It's yeah, we kind of looking at where Yeah. Uh so we'll come back to it, but I and I think that'll be an, a nice interesting discussion I think we can have on that and maybe some of the uses that I would see for him. So yeah. We, we, so we looked at the broad strokes of the of the army. We, we're understanding the kind of theme that we want because that's going to hopefully direct us then with the units that we're going to pick, right? In the roles that we're going to essentially have on the tabletop. Because on the Academy, we've always done this and it's something in which um, I think is really relevant to most game systems. It's helping you understand what your army needs to be able to do, okay? So when you get to the tabletop, you need your army to perform certain things. And I'm not just talking about performing actions. I'm on about number one is what two objectives are you going to hold? That's a key priority for your army. So you're setting yourself up for turn two for that command phase hold. Then what threat are you going to deal with? So for example, is it a, they've got a deep strike. Okay, cool. So I'll zone it out or they've got a big knight over there. Okay, cool. I'll move block it. Um, so what threat are you going to neutralize? Then what unit are you going to try and kill? You know, obviously removing your opponent's assets is typically a good idea at some point in the game. Yeah. So um, hold some objectives, deal with some threats or deal with a threat, kill a unit, um, and then obviously focus on scoring, you know, one or two secondaries, whatever you're able to. So if you're able to plan that out, then that's going to help you get some really good just baseline scores. But then we need an army that's going to be able to support that. So on the Academy in the past, we've said, hey, you know, can you kill 20 Necron Warriors? Or can you kill, I think, you know, additions gone by, it was 20 uh, plague bearers because they were like minus two to hit or, you know, they had like a five plus fill no pain, you know, back in the day. Um, so there's always been the, you know, can you kill a knight every turn or can you kill a knight for at least three turns of the game? And then hopefully they've, you know, you've got rid of enough assets, you can kind of play around them. So have you got the tools in the toolbox to cater and deal with all these different archetypes that we can see for a well-rounded balance list? Because what we don't want is you go into your local club and then, oh, Dave, uh, I'm playing against knights tomorrow. What's the uh, you know best way for Eldar to kill knights? And you're like, yeah, just nine D cannons, mate. And then you want thir- you want thirty fire dragons. Yeah, good game. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, don't be that guy. So. Um, yeah, we want to make sure you're going to, whether it's your friend, your brother, your local gaming store, whether you're going to a tournament, you want a well-balanced army list that can do those kind of five things that I mentioned earlier. So um, yeah, that's typically how you want to be viewing the, these next steps that we go through. Okay. So you're looking at Space Marines, or uh, I got a good one, Tyranids. There's basically three rough um, ideas of builds you could do for Tyranids. Obviously, small, medium, or large bucks. Are you going to do... Monster Mash with a lot of big ones. Are you going to do the little Griblies, um, you know, the Hydra type list with with lots of small units re- getting real fast? Are you going to focus on those middle-sized ones, Zoanthropes, Tyranid Warriors, something like that? And what is the decider factor that you're going to look at when you're like, all right, picking between those three, what how, what is the what are the factors you're going to look at to, to help you narrow down which of those three focuses you're going to look at? Yeah, so I think what you've, that example there is a, a concept of, I would say, polarizing a list where you're looking to, or stat checking a list. And what that means is, hey, you simply do not have the numbers, whether it's in damage output or, you know, number of attacks to deal with this army. It's what you call a stat check. 
So for example, if you were to go for every single model being some massive, um, you know, toughness, a Khan effects, whatever it is, uh, you know, with a four up in run for a turn, you know, two up save, Hey, you know, can you deal with this army? No, you can't. You just simply will not, or most people will not have the firepower to get through or, you know, the damage output to kill the army. Vice versa, if you've gone for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the small gribbly guys, oh, you've got a las cannon. Cool. I'll, if you hit me, if you hit, then um, yeah, sure, I'll lose one of my, you know, six point models, whatever they are. Um, cool. Right. Good luck with your next las cannon. Um, sure, and only another 299 left to go. How many las cannons you got? So um, again, that's a different type of stat check. And what that army will do is play very, very differently to the other one. It will play very good board control. It will screen out the table. It will just tag every unit to stop you falling back and doing actions. It will just, you know, stop you from deep striking so you can't get behind enemy lines. Um, so that's a different type of play style altogether. Or, you know, as we've seen, very, very popular. We had the kind of the Nid Warrior list, um, very durable um, before it was obviously, um, you know, hit with the balance data slate um, and also does extremely good damage. It's got fantastic uh, reach in terms of, uh, you know, advance in charging. So there are three polarized different armies. Or you could take a very balanced Nid list. Um, and if you look at somebody like uh, Michael's Nid list, He's got, yeah, a little bit of gribbly dudes. He's got a couple of the big guys because Michael is one of, you know, an absolutely incredible player where he's able to look at his units and go, I got a real role for this one on the tabletop. I've got a, he understands exactly where he needs to position it. He knows when he needs to hide it. He knows, and this is something that we teach you on the academy is understanding the value of your most valuable player. So who is your MVP this game? Who is your opponent's MVP? And therefore, for us, one of the best strategies that we can implement is removing your opponent's MVP. Because let's say you've got a hundred little gribbly dudes, right? But they've got a unit of aggressors. Okay. They've got the bolt storm, frag storm. And this, you know, three of these aggressors can shoot with one unit and pick up 20. The other three can pick up, you know, pick up the other, especially when they had like the double shoot mechanic uh, back in the day. So, hey, yeah. that's a really problem unit for you. So once you've got rid of that, then yeah. Those Laz Cannon Devastator squads are doing nothing. But if this, if you are running an army of the big guys, like the um, you know, the Khan effects, is all of a sudden you're like aggressors, strength four, don't care. 20 Laz Cannons, bit more of a problem. So you're kind of identifying who those MVPs are and then using your units in your army to go, hey, I can go and deal with those. So if it's, you know, I've got some gargoyles in my list just to literally harass those little you know, devastators, charge them, wrap them, trap them, stop them from falling back, pin them down from shooting. Then all of a sudden, those gargles have got a real good utility. Now, I know we're kind of getting in the weeds a little bit here with the, um, you know, I suppose like unit selection, but I think it's important to understand if you do want to go for an archetype, like you've mentioned there, and NIDs do polarize things very, very well, then yeah. there could be some huge weaknesses in your army. Um, and typically become, I would say, gatekeeper lists where you'll probably go that, you know, four in one at a tournament if, you know, four of the armies can't deal with you, but there'll be that one that can, and there won't be, you, you, I think those armies will not have the tools in the toolbox to deal with a good counter to their army because they're simply going, hey, on paper, you just can't kill me until one can. So then 
do you think it is at that point? So you've we've picked our faction, we've picked our sub faction. We're starting to to, to try to filter things down. Did now instead of looking at data sheets, the next thing we're going to look at then, or looking at models, the next thing we're going to look at is secondaries. Or are we going to look at how is this? How's you know how do I want to play the primary? Yeah. So I think um, we can normally put a list together and then revert back to the secondaries. Um, or battle tactics, let's say Age of Sigma, and I'm, the reason why I keep referring to Age of Sigma is because I think it's quite a nice, um, you know, if you don't know Age of Sigma, then you also don't know, for example, what's happening in the future or the past, which is again, it keeps it a nice common ground. So I think it's a good idea to have an understanding of what your secondaries might be, or it might be a good idea to understand what your battle tactics are, or the way that your army can score in the mission. Because then you can think, right, and again, this is something that we teach, but it's going over what units could I have in my army to fulfill certain mission roles for me, okay? Um, you can either do it before you start putting your, your units in your army list, or you could do it after. But I think getting a piece of paper down and writing a checklist of, hey, okay, cool, this unit can score this secondary or battle tactic or mission parameter really well, and just maybe you know, putting like maybe four or five units down that could do these missions quite easily. So if we took Custodes, for example, um, the Terminate is where you can take like one model. Well, they're amazing for behind enemy lines because, you know, trying to screen out a deep strike for literally a 50 mil base is really difficult. So, you know, you might be thinking of it, okay, cool. Well, I can see some, you know, utility in these units, but that comes from knowledge of your army rules the data sheets before you can then start linking it back. Obviously, Age of Sigmar work a little bit differently. They just say, hey, if you've got this unit and it's in this place or it does this thing, you score points. So I think with Age of Sigmar, you can be a little bit more specific because it literally outlines sometimes what you need units for to do um, or you, it, it, it's keyworded. But in 40K, it's slightly different. It might be like, hey, if, you've got, if you're a world eater, go and kill stuff in combat cool, so I'm going to probably need some combat units to do this secondary. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think before we get into the like the mission and the secondaries, we need, to, we need to kind of put an army list together that we feel like can hold the primary, that can kill some stuff. And then we can, you know, check, do we have the right keywords? Do we have the right abilities? Do we have the speed or the durability to then score some of these other secondary mission objectives? Yeah. Okay. All right. So... Now we're going to start putting a list together. Are we looking at battle line troops units first, or are we looking at, do you want to start with an HQ unit and then, you know, go top down? Or, you, or is this the point where you go, all right, what's my favorite unit in this army? What is my, my what, what do you call it? Your vanity choice? Uh, your vanity pick? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, what's, what's the first unit you're going to throw in there? Yeah, you know what? I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do this, actually. I really don't. I think if you were like, okay, cool, I really want to take Mephiston. Uh, he's a sick model. Mephiston's got to be in the list. Then what we kind of call this is your non-negotiable. And sometimes a player might not have, and obviously when we do our, you know, like list service and, you know, we do coaching for lists, we say, hey, what is your non-negotiable? What is the one thing in your army list that has to be there? And you, Dave, might be like, do you know what? I just want to play Votan. I don't care. This guy's kind of cool, but if I don't have to take the, you know, the who's the sorcerer? Who, who's the Gandalf character? I can't think of his name. 
Yeah, if you're like, oh, you know, Grimnir, yeah, you know, bit of this, you know, yeah, he's all right. But Hammerchamp, kind of probably the coolest model, I think. So if he makes a list, great. But if not, I'm not too worried. Well, yeah, that's great. You don't have a non-negotiable. But somebody else might be like, do you know what? Yeah, with me, because I'm a snowflake, I'm like, right, nobody runs Shrike and Scorpion. So how many can I take in a list and still be competitive? That's my mindset. Okay, so I've got, hey, here's my non-negotiable, but also the parameter that I want to play under. Okay. And obviously we always want to be a good opponent and being a good opponent can often be more than just playing fairly and getting our rules correctly. Being a good opponent as well is when you're at the table in the situation and environment you're turning up to is that you give your opponent the best game possible. And whether that's hey, we're, we're you know, jumping into a, a narrative game, well, I'm going to make sure I bring a narrative-based army list. If we're t- turning up to a tournament and we're aiming to be competitive, I need to make sure I'm bringing an army list that is competitive, that I can give you a good game so that we can c- you know, compete and play under the same level of uh, sort of rules of engagement, so to speak, right? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think always have those parameters with what that might be. And, okay. you know, and even writing it down can be great when you're writing an army list to go, hey, I want to take as many Strike and Scorpions as I can whilst keeping this list competitive. So yeah, it, as much as I'd love to take 30, 30 is maybe not manageable. I can't work the rest of the list in to score its secondaries, to hold primary, to do all the other things, to still be a great opponent. So maybe I need to t- you know, cut back those numbers slightly. So you can either start with your favorite unit, your favorite HQ, or simply... If you want to make the most efficient, and let's go from the most competitive standpoint here, if I was to write like the cheesiest list I possibly could, then I'd probably look for all the data sheets and look for the most, um, and I'd have the points next to me because the way that obviously anything works in any game system, you've got the rules of the unit, you've then got their points value, okay, and then you've got how they're going to conform with the rules, the mission and terrain. Okay. So that's kind of like the three types of um, parameters, I suppose. Um, so you need to have the points next to you and you go, right, well, this unit for their points is going to do a lot of damage or this unit for their points is going to move really fast or for this unit for their points, they're just not going to die. Um, so what, you know, whatever it is that you want, kill, hold or move those, you thought about roles for your army and then you can obviously then dissect that a little bit further you know do you want to kill big stuff do you want to kill little things you know and lots of them so you can start to segregate those off but then you go right cool this unit's extremely efficient for its points i'm going to take as many as i possibly can of them um and how many do you know how many you can take for 10th edition have they said that already dave of a unit uh they only yeah they said in that article that um you know you you can it's still the magic rule of three unless it has the battle line keyword and then you're capped at six cool so Similar to what it is in ninth, right? Um, right? Yeah, you've got that rule of three. So if you're looking for the most efficient build, okay, cool. If I was playing guard right now, I'd be like, cool, Kasakin, cool. Three. Three units, because yeah. why wouldn't you? Three units, Kasakin. Yeah. Um, same for mortars. Mortars, yeah, cool. Three units straight in the basket. That's why we saw yeah. three units of flamers. We're seeing three units of desolation marines at the moment. We're seeing, you know, three land speeder variations. We're seeing all these types of stuff happen in threes because what people are doing is essentially maximizing and pushing that to the boundary of taking the most efficient things. Um, So that's kind of your next step, I suppose, is look at your units first and then 
we look at characters after that. So you go, hey, so let's say, let's talk ninth edition. You know, I've got this unit. They're called Desolation Marines and they've got the core keyword. Okay, cool. Well, what can benefit the core keyword? Well, I can take these characters and these characters can give me rerolls. Okay, well, rerolls are really good on a unit that's going to fire indirectly because I'm going to suffer a minus one to hit. Ah, but then if I get full rerolls and I can get a plus one to hit from maybe a spell, a, a, a stratagem, an a army-wide rule, cool. Now I'm back to where I was. Now I'm rerolling all my hit rolls. So those weaknesses that were in this unit, I've negated by taking this character or I, you know, this stratagem or this army rule. Okay, so we want to block in these key units and whether you're extremely well, I think we've all got our play style and there's no right or wrong. There are certain players that love damage output and they'll just go damage, 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 damage. And they have the philosophy of, cool, if my opponent isn't alive, then they can't score any secondaries. Like, that's a legitimate tactic, I suppose. Um, yeah. If it's... Uh, that was, okay, that was very I, much the, the, uh, the Tau strategy for most of uh, for the last year. It was... Um, I'm playing Tau. I'm going to remove your models, and then it doesn't matter that I'm generally paper thin, delicate. Yeah, or I've got secondaries that score in the last three turns of the game because you won't be there to stop me from scoring those secondaries. Right. So um, yeah, Tau got that play style. But similarly, you could have a Tau list that was just super fast and has great board control, maybe great board presence. So there are different play styles that you can adopt, and I think. The way that you like to play the game shouldn't be enforced. Like nobody should tell you you should take more damage output if you literally want a different style list. And I think that's why people can get really unstuck when they start to copy lists off the internet or copy, you know, lists that have won a tournament because they'll use it and it will not perform well for them or they won't enjoy it. Um, the amount of people that tried my Eldar list and were just like, Steve, what are you doing? Like this, this doesn't work. You know, um, I, you know, I created that army list with a very distinctive viewpoint on what every single one of my units would do. And this is again, something we teach you. So what duality and what tools can this unit offer? Because if they can't do its thing that it's meant to do, well, what else can it do? Do you have a B plan for this unit? Do you have a C plan for this unit? So then it can still be really useful for you. So for example, Striking Scorpions are great into infantry. They're terrible into vehicles. Okay, so I, because I can only do mortals into infantry, I can't do them into vehicles. So then, what if I'm up against an entire vehicle army? Well, now my Striking Scorpions could move block if you don't have a rule that can, you know, if you don't have fly. Um, and if you do have fly or you're like Titanic and you can just move over me, well, maybe I just need my Striking Scorpions sat on a backfield objective or just, you know, being a first turn retrieve data or raise a banner because they can infiltrate. So I can still use that element of their data sheet to perform something for me. Although in this game, they're not going to do any damage output. So I'm looking at a data sheet with, you know, two lenses. What's their damage output? And then also what other roles could they, you know, perform for me? So that's why I'm diving into how far they move, how durable they are. You know, do they have any other special abilities like infiltrate, uh, pregame move, deep strike? or any other rules that might be relevant for me. Objective secured. Um, so again, you're looking at this with a kind of, um, you, with like different lenses when you look at a, when you look at a unit, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're looking at it from, from, you're looking at different data points 
from different perspectives, what, you know, what's the, how much is it going to kill? How resilient is it? And then sort of what else can it do? You know, what else can it do for me? Can it score objectives? Can it do secondaries? Can it do actions? Can it not do actions? Can it outflank? Yeah. Maybe it can deep strike and get me behind enemy lines. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think this is where, this is great actually, because I think, um, you know, some of the things that they've said about 10th edition is going to be awesome because they've looked at every single data sheet. They've said that um, in making sure that, you know, it's all got a purpose and a role. Well, brilliant. So then the best list writers are the ones that are going to analyze that rule and then others that they can also tap into and go, okay, cool. I've got an army list here that can do a lot of different functions. I've got a real Swiss army knife here of tools in the toolbox. So that's exactly kind of what we want. And then, yeah, well, like I said, we then go to the characters and the characters can do one of two things for you. Characters and, you know, stratagems and army rules or any other types of abilities, whether there's some units that buff other units. I don't know. You know, there's lots in there with the Nid book in ninth edition, right? There's, you know, for example, each unit gives you a different ability that you can trigger for your whole army. So these are the things that you can either look for in your book. Um, and you know, if you're playing, for example, Age of Sigmar, you know, there's going to be stuff there that is your specific to your army, whether it's command traits or whatever, enhancements. And what you're looking for is either two things. Can you mitigate weaknesses or can you increase the role that that unit's going to already do for you? Okay. And, do you, and then you need to question, do you need to do that? So if you're looking, for example, uh, if we take Blood Angels, Okay, I've got Death Company. Well, the best weapon I think to put on a Death Company model is a Thunder Hammer because it looks cool. Okay, and flat three damage is awesome in ninth edition. But what's the problem with a Thunder Hammer, Dave? Uh, not a high volume of attacks. Yeah, what else? Generally speaking, uh, AP is not huge. It's neg two, so unless you're in the right combat doctrine, you're not you're you're not going to do likely get through things. And there's no way to get around invulns. What else? Are there issues with a Thunder Hammer? Um, minus one hit. Oh, that's right. You minus one hit when you use a thunder hammer. Yeah. Um, you Votan boys might not have that problem, but we we certainly do. Um, well, yeah, no, concussion walls do. It's just it's only the relic one that doesn't. But yeah. Oh yeah, and that's the only hammer you're taking, right? Um, but the uh, <laughs> the extra cater is it. Um, so uh, yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, they get a load of attacks on the charge. I think they're I think they're roughly like four attacks now if they're in the assault doctor and they get an additional attack okay well cool if i'm in the assault doctor and i get an extra ap but there's this character that basically puts me in the assault doctor and that gives me the extra ap and gives me the extra attack so now i've got the volume of attacks i need because i'm gaining an extra attack per model so that's an extra five attacks and i'm an extra ap okay cool well that's pretty significant as well but then there's another character i can take to give this unit plus one to hit so now i'm back on hitting my normal and then i can give a unit full rerolls to hit. So all of those weaknesses that I had, I don't have anymore. Now then the argument becomes, do you need all those benefits? Do you need all those bonuses in order to do the job you want? Because otherwise you're investing far too much into this unit to do its role. Because if you just need this death company unit to move over and kill a repulsor every turn or repulsor or armager equivalent, maybe you don't need all those, you know, plus one attack, plus one AP, plus one to hit and full rerolls. Maybe you don't need those four buffs. Maybe you need three because then that other buff could be spent elsewhere. You know, could you then give Dante's rerolls to, you know, your devastators for rerolls to hit on them? Maybe the, you know, do you see what I'm trying to say? So 
I think this yeah. is where people can get caught up in list writing is, oh my God, I can make this like absolute, you know, wombo combo and go, cool, you do that. But then the rest of your army is dreadful or you've got no other points of attack. Um, so I think it can really depend on, hey, do you need all these benefits to negate the weaknesses you have? And I would say with Death Company, it's probably worth it. And it's probably worth it only because turn one, you're only going to make one charge. So you may as well buff it all up. But then turn two, turn three, this is where the best generals of Blood Angels come in because they know they've got these three abilities, where they're going to put them. And that's important. How much ability do I need to put on a unit for it to do its role that I want it to do on the table? So again, that's where the, that minutia comes in and that tactical analysis of, and you can see the players that have got much better experience with an army list because they'll know this unit with this many models, with this ability simply does this every single time these guys are consistent and reliable um and that's when you play a new army list you don't have that plethora of experience to know what does this even do so you're saying i shouldn't be spending 600 points of characters to buff up a single 150 point unit of uh melee guys who are probably going to die after you know a round or two of combat only if that 150 point unit is going to go in and bust up two big knights and take down a thousand points then yes that's a well worthy trade yeah yeah you got to look at the, the, the points trade off of a, do you want to have a large amount of points buffing a small amount of points, but then also overall, what is the trade you're expecting to get out of it? Because if you're yeah. going again into, you know, a, an infantry heavy guard list, maybe you don't need the thunder hammers to do all of those things. Yeah. Or maybe you only needed two thunder hammers in that list and then chain swords, but with all the buffs on and you'd still get, the ability to kill all the infantry plus also maybe a vehicle if or like a like a rhino or something so you know do you have a dedicated role for the unit and do you know how you're going to use it so i think when you're looking at um whatever it is in your army you know and obviously with arcs of omen you can take up to four characters you've then got the weird little elite character slots as well if you have those available and then you've obviously got other you know abilities and units that can buff up other units in a bit uh, that it, whatever it might be, just think about how much resources. And if you think about not just points and units, but also command abilities, uh, stratagems, whatever it is, think of your army as a, uh, you have a limited amount of resources. Where are you going to apply them to get the most effective dose? Uh, or, you know, most, or best bang for your buck, as it were. Yeah. The Competitive 40k Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. The Competitive 40k Podcast is supported by Colorforge. I found Colorforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. 
So um, after you've got your list put together and you've got at least a rough sketch outline of, all right, maybe you've got 1,800 or 1,700 points of your list put together and you're not quite sure what to do that last two, 300 points. Now are you going to, at what point do you start um, going back and looking at stratagems like, all right, do, do I have enough stratagem support for the units I've picked? Because obviously some units have strats that are specifically named for them and others not so much. Yeah. So I think when it comes to resources, uh, if, we, if we think about them as resources, uh, then that last 300 points um, that you've got left in your list, I think is now time to start looking at weaknesses in the army. So you need to question yourself on a certain few things and you can write off, first of all, holding the primary. Okay. So I really like the avatar in my Eldar list because I can plonk the avatar's big fat butt on an objective and not many people's going to shift him. Okay. So he's worth four points a turn to me because not many people are going to shoot him, especially um, not many people are certainly going to kill him in combat. And as long as I'm a little bit tactical with him, you know, I don't put him out obviously in line of sight. Um, if I can put him in, you know, behind a wood or something, even better. But my point is, can what units do I have in my army to hold an objective? If I'm playing world eaters, cool, I can take a 25 point spawn to sit on my backfield objective, meaning I'm not putting a 115 point corn berserker unit there. That is 115 points that needs to be doing something. Uh, close and personal, right? They, they can't sit back and shoot you with their bolt pistols. It's not going to happen. So leaving one or two 25 point spawns on my backfield objective is much better for me to free up more um, resources to push forward. Yeah. So can yeah. I hold the primary and can I score? Can I hold one to two objectives every single turn? Can I keep my non-negotiable objective? Can I fortify an objective? And do I have the units and the durability to do that? And that's something that is your first checkpoint. The next one is secondary. So can I score on average 12, sec 12 points of secondaries per turn? Uh, sorry, per secondary. Um, can I do that? What three secondaries am I going to pick consistently, regardless of who or what I play? Have, and then if something more appropriate, you know, reveals itself when you get there at the table, great. That's just going to help you get closer to 15 points rather than 10. So do, what are your three secondaries? And if there's, if you've got two, oh, you know, and how many people have you spoke to? Yeah, I've got two really good secondaries and it's that third one I just pick on my opponent. Well, what if they ain't giving you anything? What are you going to do? Yeah. You, you, you scratch your head, pick the wrong secondary. Well, if you pick the wrong secondaries, game over. Um, you know, if you take assassinate against a certain army and you just not get into those characters, your opponent's going to think, well, you're not scoring these 15 points. So all I need to do is score... 12 on mine and keep pace with you on the other two and hold as many objectives. I'm just going to win. They don't need to commit. They don't need to push forward. They don't need to do anything um, unnecessary. They can just move block you, keep you back, you know, let you cross the table, let you go into the open space of the table where they can just shoot you. They can let you come out in the open. They can set up their hurricane interventions. They can stay on terrain, stay on cover, stay, you know, do you know what I mean? They can do all the things that we want to do to keep our units alive longer because you've picked an awful secondary. Um, so this is where you can look back over your list and with that 300 points go, do you know what? If I just put two custody terminators in here and I can you know, drop one in and then in turn two and I can drop another one in turn three and maybe if I put in a pregame moving unit as well and a rhino, maybe that will help me just get my sisters out and move them, so on and so forth. Hey, I can get behind enemy lines now quite consistently. And maybe I'll take a unit of bikes. Maybe Terminators would have been better, like a bigger block or a bigger block of wardens. 
but potentially a threat of three bikes and a shield captain on bike might be a good enough threat to help me in that behind enemy line. So they do a similar role slightly differently, but they're now negating a weakness that your army's got, which is the speed to get behind enemy lines for you. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've we've covered a lot of the basics. Anything else you want to touch on before we start looking at the tent that the Warcom article? Well, once you've got your list and you've put it together and you've got a rough idea of what you want your units to do, you need to test it. And I would always recommend getting nine games in, you know, go through each of the missions. All right. Try and play against different opponents. Try it going first, try it going second. And to test that list, all you need to do is with you and a buddy, just play a mission, only play to turn three, then swap over. So, hey, you go first. Um, I'll go first. You know, get to turn three, next mission, do the same. You just need to practice deploying your army, going out for those first three turns. Um, and are you getting a feel for the units that you have on the table and are they doing the thing that you want them to do? And if not, then make subtle tweaks. And if you do make a tweak, be very hard on yourself just to change 10% of your army no more. So change 200 points of the list and keep everything else the same. Make those subtle refinements. Um, before you know it, you'll have a list that you really love, that you know how to use, and you just feel really confident playing. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the just play the first two turns and then reset. And then play two turns and then reset because that's yeah. so much gets de- determined in deployment and in those first two turns that, you know, the game is quite often decided. And sometimes we don't realize it, that the game's already decided yeah. by the time you hit turn three. I think the best players are the ones who can look at the game and go, all right, game's decided. I mean, it's turn three. I can just autopilot it from here or all right, you know, hey, I'm a, you know, I, it was it's almost decided, but I have to push here, here and here. So yeah. whereas there's a, a lot of other people, those of us who haunt the middle tables, we're like, all right, I'm going to make my big push in turn four. That's when the game's going to get decided. No, game's already over. You just don't see it yet. So, all right. So now look is looking over at the Warcom article. Obviously, they, they did a whole article um, on Thursday, March 30th. That was about um, army building in, in 10th edition. And they talked about, you know, picking your battle size, picking your what army, what faction you're going to play and all that. Um, And then they talked about um, selecting detachment rules. This is different. Um, And then they're talking about your um, picking maybe a gladius task force or the Adeptus Astartes. And then that would give you the oath of moment army rule, which all of these are new terms we've heard before, but they're using them in a completely different context. So they're talking about almost as if the detachment rules are going to replace um, it, it even says instead of choosing a sub faction or constructing your own, now you're just going to pick your detachment and that's going to determine that is sort of your sub faction or, or, you know, how your armor list is going to, um, to function. Do you have that article in front of you? Yep. Got it. Yep. I know. And this is now we've waded into the area where Steve must be very careful what he says. <laughs> I'm making a habit of this is just putting you on the hot seat. Um, and wa- watching you tap dance, tap dance. Yeah. So then they get into, and this is, I think the, the part that I was motioned in is picking units. It says at least one character, you're going to pick a max of each Epic hero, which I think, and then they, there's a, there's an outline there of, uh, on the article of, um, Bobby G. So an Epic hero is obviously going to be a named character. Um, and then pick up to th- uh, up to three of uh, uh, each unit of the same data sheet, and then six battle line or dedicated transports. Yeah, 
Oh, or yeah, or dedicated transport. So you can up. To, so now we have at least have a cap on dedicated transport. So that's good to know. Yeah. So just to quickly um, go back to the detachment choice part. Yeah. It says here detachment choices are will rarely be tied to an army color scheme. So while ultramarines might be theoretical, the practical masters of the Gladius task force. And by the way, I'm reading this off Warcom. Other chapters can use it too. So if you really like the Gladius task force and Potentially, like you said, the Ultramarines might be the masters of Gladius Task Force. So if you think about like the Ultramarines playstyle now in the game, they've got one particular rule that sets them apart from all other fa- all other legions or chapters, right? So you might feel like, actually, I really like that playstyle, but and I want to build a White Scars. Let's say your faction your yeah, like maybe your you love White Scars, right? You're like, well, actually, I prefer shooting a bit more than combat or whatever, right? So potentially then you've got another way to play your army and you can say, hey, my, my guys have been trained this way, um, but you can still keep that, the theme, the law of whatever it, that might be, right? So, um, which I think is really nice because it gives you a lot of flexibility to then use your army and rather than feeling like, oh, great, well, I play Ultramarines and my guys are painted like Ultramarines, but... I don't like the ultramarine rules or the ultramarine rules are rubbish or they're or, or maybe they're too good and you're like actually i'm not enjoying this way of playing the game cool pick another pick a different thing in my job or detachment whatever they've called it so um pick another one use that and it's just all about keeping people playing the game for as long as we possibly can so we can keep the enjoyment of the hobby which i think is awesome and these are all uh welcomed changes i think they're great but as they've already shown here, so while Ultramarines might be theoretically the practical masters of the Gladius Task Force, so if you've got an Ultramarine army, then maybe that is the one, and they've already outlined to you that maybe that is the one that theoretically are the best ones at it. Cool. Maybe that's the one you should pick if you're an Ultramarine player. Uh, if you want it super based on how Games Workshop theorized that playstyle to be, right? Yeah. Or maybe as things go on, maybe, you know, you're an Ultramarines player um, and you start off with the Gladius Task Force, but then the meta shifts, evolves a little bit and you go, all right, you know, that's not, you know, the meta shifts in a certain direction. All right, maybe I need to use this other task force, which whoever knows whatever those are going to be called. And uh, just to sort of tweak or, or angle my army in a certain direction, kind of like with my, you know, Votan are very much a shooting army, but. When I looked at them, I was like, all right, they're already really good at shooting. I want to angle them towards melee. And so I picked Cronus, even though I still have a lot of guns on my list. So something along those lines, you're going to say, all right, this Ultramarines might be good at this, but I want to angle them in this other direction to, to compensate for the meta. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Or whether it's whether it's the global meta or the local meta, you know, start with your local, obviously. but Or just to get different utility out of the units that you've got. Oh, I really want to try a unit of Vanguard Vets. Well, if I take this detachment, I'll get a little bit more out of my Vanguard Vets because actually I'm finding these other stuff don't need the shooting support. They don't need those resources because maybe they already have them in built. And I think we go back to what that our conversation earlier, how much resources do you want to apply to a problem to get the problem solved? Or if you've got a weakness, apply more resources there and you'll get more fulfillment out of those, you know, like plugins, like Vanguard Vets, for example, if you feel like you need a combat unit to dig you out of a hole, kick you off the objective, maybe more resources need to support them to keep them going, to keep doing a job for a lower points cost. So, um, yeah, I think this is awesome. I think it's really good. Yeah. 
my my question is going to be which detachment do I have to take um, in order to get the most out of the um, fire strike servo turrets and the hammer strike bunker or hammerfall bunker? <laughs> this is the question I will be asking in tenth edition. Oh, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Because no, we haven't even seen those in ninth edition. They have. I don't think anyone has ever put one on a competitive tabletop. I narratively probably, but. Uh, and you know, and when when the turret first came out too, I looked at the fire strike turret and I'm like, that's really cool. That'd be really great because I was still playing Imperial Fist back then. I was like, all right, how can I use this? It moves three inches at a time, so I'm not using it. I'm already a slow army. <laughs> I can't. What? What? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and the hammer will fall bunker. All the fluff talks about how you can deep strike it, and then it doesn't have the deep strike rule. That was very frustrating for a lot of us too. Uh, moving on. So there will be people listening who don't even know what the hammer strike bunker fall is. Well, I don't know what it's called, but yeah, um, right. There will be people that don't even know what that is because that's how rare we've seen it. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. People are like, wait, what bunker for for all for space marines? What? Yeah. So exactly. But no, I think we've done a pretty good overview of uh, yeah how to write an army list. Um, but yeah, like we said, it's yeah. just a case of getting your repetitions in and then refining it back to. You know, is the army doing what I want it to do? And know that 40k, not every game you go into is going to be a balanced game. There are going to be some armies that stat check you. There are, there are going to be some hard counters. So do not, please, 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 please. If you lose a game really badly with the first time you run an army list, does not mean it's you, does not mean it's the army. It could have well been your opponent's army. Test it, retest, retest, refine, evaluate, reflect, be a critical thinker and you will end up writing better army lists. Yeah, I, I can speak from personal experience because I used to do it for years until I joined the Academy, which was the biggest mistake I always made as a player early on was every time I'd lose a game, I would change my list. Every time I yeah. lose my, I'd lose a game, change my list. I think that is the biggest mistake in list building is changing it after too few reps, too few practice games. Yeah. No, if you can do the nine, agree, uh, do the nine. That is the gauntlet. Keep a list, keep it for nine games, run the gauntlet. And I think uh, you do that, you'll be, a, you know, you'll really see what the army list can do. And I think you'll really be under something. But Dave, it's been an awesome show, I think, today. Yeah, I think we, I think this was a, a good topic for us to do. And we're going to try to do similar stuff uh, to this as we get closer and closer to the 10th edition release date, which, you know, they've said summer. So hopefully that's June and not August. Uh, hey, every but, week, you know, get, we every see. every podcast we do, we get a week closer. Just think of it like that. That's, That's right. Cool. That's a good way to think of it. Every episode you guys listen to is one episode closer to us finally going. It's here, and oh, yeah. my, I can't wait. I literally can't yeah. wait. And anyway, and I do, I, um, I do enjoy you putting me in the hot seat and me uh, trying to skirt around certain things or actually <laughs> not put my foot in my mouth. But anyway, yeah, um, guys, thank you so so much. We'll bring you back, James. Hopefully next week. Uh, or at least the week after once we've managed to get some sessions in with him but uh, yeah we'll chat to you in the Facebook group everyone and remember leave us reviews thank you to all of our sponsors and we'll see you next week on the Competitive 40k Podcast indeed and until then this is Dave Calmel for Steven Box saying a good death only comes after a good life have a good week see ya bye bye